Hello and welcome to That's So Craven. We are now streaming live on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and Twitch. Make sure you follow us on all social media and subscribe to be notified when a live recording starts. Please, please, please share That's So Craven with your Fulham friends to keep our community growing. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and come on you whites. Freed from desire, mind and senses purified. Freed from desire, mind and senses purified. Freed from desire, mind and senses purified. Freed from desire. Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from Down Under. We're here to discuss Fulham's nil-nil draw with Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. An early start for us over here in Australia, so a few tired faces on the live stream today. Sammy, how are you going? You look dishevelled at best. Yeah, no, that's just my vibe, so fortunately it fits in well. But yes, I sleep is no longer an option for me or any of us here. But otherwise, I'm going great. How is everybody else? Oh, yeah, I'm pretty much. well. I feel... Uh, I feel jet lagged, but proud uh, and a little bit low energy, but I think I'll catch up during the course of this. <laughs> well, we're here obviously to discuss the game. Um, you know, before the game, we were talking about how um, it didn't quite feel the same as the last time we played Chelsea. Uh, there was 300 million pounds spent between now and then. Um, there, and, you know, Fulham was so up for that first game as well against Chelsea, having not won in such a long time. Having got the result and then going to Stamford Bridge, Sam, do you think the energy levels had dropped a little bit and maybe, you know, we've, we've already done it once this year, so it, it didn't seem as important to do it a second time? I mean, I was conflicted actually going into the game as we kind of talked about on, like, the last one. But uh, if I was conflicted... I think the boys came out and gave the performance. Argue, I know, I know it was a nil all, but like arguably their performance of like the entire season as like a team was exceptionally proud of how they played. Like, yeah, again, we'll like, well, this this will be the entire podcast, just me just gushing. But like, I was just, it was it was really really wonderful just to see them properly go toe to toe with a team that I hate so intensely that just spent so much money and we just barely did anything. Didn't even like Sasa Lukic wasn't even there. You know, we just, we just stuck to our guns and it is, is beautiful to see us. Oh, it's, it's been a great morning. Dad, how did you feel going into this game? Cause you know, as I said, it was such a big event. The first time we played Chelsea this season and the fact that we got a win over them and they were in disarray, but, you know, with the signings of Enzo Fernandez for over 100 million, Mudrick since we played them last as well, um, Badashile, oh, there were, you know, countless names. As I said, over 300 million pounds worth of names that had joined. Did, did this game feel different for you? Well, I think it was always going to be different given that we weren't at Craven Cottage. Um, we weren't far away, but it's an intimidating venue. Uh, and, and one where we haven't actually had a great deal of success. Having said all of that, we if there were any concerns about how we were going to perform and how well we were prepared, we didn't show it. We were great from the outset, and um, we were so good when they had the ball in the first 10, 15 minutes. You know, it was a lot to be proud of. I thought... Um, what was such a powerful statement, not not that we did that much business in the transfer window, but we did get a couple of signings to be really proud of, particularly uh, Lukic in, in, in the middle. Um, I love the statement from Silva. It just goes, no, nope, we're not changing anything here. This is a unit. We're well prepared. And I believe in these guys. I'm backing them. And this is the team that we go out week on week. And this is the team that does well. And I love that. I love that about it all. And, um, yeah, you know, they've spent a lot of money. Even before that, they had a lot of individuals. To be fair, they, they had a lot of injuries when we uh, played them a few weeks ago. And, th look, th they, they, they haven't had a good run in the last few weeks since we last met. So I, I, I wasn't 
thinking that they were suddenly a transformed unit that we're going to be facing. I thought it was really fascinating that, um, you know, probably two hours before the game, uh, Potter must have got a call and said, hey, you new boys, we just spent a lot of money. They're in. Um, and I suppose if you do spend that kind of money, you got to play them, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but I was going to say a, it's it's a it's a massive risk doing that. Don't care who they are, individually brilliant. And 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 uh, Enzo Fernandez was he was really good, and he is absolutely top quality and top class. He was literally couldn't even call them by name when he was calling for the ball. He was waving to get the ball. Mm. Um, <laughs> But still, he was he was very very good, and imagine him in four weeks' time, when he's really settled in. Even if he he looked pretty settled last night, but it's very hard to do that. We're a unit. That's the difference in 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 how we play, and uh, yeah. Well, what what I was going to say is, uh, it's it's not overly surprising that Chelsea did throw in a lot of their new signings. Um, or at least we saw a lot of the new signings during the game. You know, I think if you spend a hundred million pounds on a player, you kind of have to start him anyway. Um, so, and you know, look at the results they've had so far this year. They're struggling. So it's not. It, it makes sense that they brought him in because, you know, they need they need wins, and they're not getting them. So what what do you do at that point? Like you can't leave out guys and you say, yeah, we'll give them time to bed in. Um, you know, Chelsea, I'm pretty sure I saw an article earlier this week basically saying with the amount of money that Chelsea have spent, they're going to have to make the Champions League to abide by financial fair play rules. They need that bump of money. And at, at this stage, they're not going to get it. And so they have to take chances like that and play guys who probably aren't ready. I think Fernandez only he might have had one session with the team, um, and jeez, oh, it's 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 a risk, but I think it's a risk they had to take. Um, we'll we'll go through the lineups a little bit as well. Uh, I think we we all sort of expected Mana Solomon to to be playing in this game, especially after his good performance against Sunderland. Sammy, were you surprised? You you're probably the one who actually called it more so. That you thought BDR might start for a different reason, um, but were were you surprised at all that Solomon didn't start? No, not really. Um, I mean, I, I, I said it again, like last pod, that I I would have really liked to have seen him start, but I just don't really think that this was the game for it. This was the game for us, um, or Silver specifically, putting out what we knew, what we knew was going to work. Um, my my only criticism was maybe he could have made the sub to get Solomon on a little bit earlier because mm. giving him like 15 minutes wasn't nearly enough. I would have given him at least 25, um, especially in the Just second quietly, phase. Sammy, he, did, he did have 25 minutes. Did he? It didn't feel like it. Like, it oh, didn't, sorry. Uh, no, he, he did only have 15. No. Sorry. Yeah, no, he did, definitely did. Sorry, I thought what, he got on a bit earlier than that. What did you learn from taking this away from me? Um, <laughs> uh, I did also say that Kenny Tete would score a goal as well. So uh, just Sam's hot takes, guys. Just Sam's hot takes. He didn't score a goal, but he might as well could have, should have. Um, no, I thought I thought it was the right call to have um, BDR there. And I think um, in terms of like nullifying a lot of stuff, him and Tete were superb. Um, down that right hand side like way way better than i ever expected them to be but i imagine silver probably preempted that he knew that that was going to be the case he trusted them and i mean he definitely made like the right call in my opinion dead same question you think uh, he made the yeah right call? well i'm trying to you know i'm i'm, I'm just wondering whether man solomon is is not a guy to be used from the bench that may simply not be the best format for him. It's not the easy thing to do. And I, and I know Sunderland entirely different level of opposition, but it does seem that he, you know, he preferred that longer stint and starting picking up the tempo of the game right from the beginning. 
I, I, I thought uh, we're jumping to subs now, but I, I thought he he wasn't that effective, and and I, I was sort of excusing his ineffectiveness in previous very short cameos off the bench. But I'm just wondering whether that's not his best go-to. I'd agree with that. Yeah, I I actually think we just didn't utilise him at all. He came off the bench mm. and. We never really got the ball out to him. So it is it is obviously, you know, if you bring someone off the bench to make an impact, you have to actually give them the ball so they can make an impact. And I, I think he, not harsh not harsh or hardly done by, but I think it's harsh to judge him on his performance based on the fact that he, he maybe only got a handful of touches. When he did get the ball, I thought he looked, you know, um, positive. He's, well, he he's so quick on the ball. But he just didn't he did it. one really great turn, didn't he? Where yeah. he, I yeah. can't remember who the opposition was, where he lost him. Just beautiful yeah. skill. So it's not like it, the level is beyond him. I don't believe that at all. But you know, some players need to, be, and maybe if he starts, he just becomes part of the game, and people start to use him and yeah. use that channel. Um, but I don't know. It's, a, it's very yeah, like, difficult like, to say. Like Sam said, with, with just 15 minutes, you don't get an opportunity. And I think yeah. even if he had 25 minutes, he might have only got an extra two touches. Yeah. Uh, but also, as Sam said, it probably wasn't the right game to throw him into. Um, One thing I will also add as well, if I can, um, even though Chelsea have been poor as of late, I can still never really fully knock them in terms of like, um, their defensive structure because yeah, their their attack is kind of lagging, but their defense is pretty rock solid. Like their problem is scoring goals, not essentially keeping people out. So I think with that in mind, yeah, I, I think Silver made the right call and I can't really criticize Manuel Solomon too much for not getting past. No, I, I don't think we are. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. No, no, we are. Not. But I, just, I just, I just wanted to note that just in, yeah. Um, one thing was interesting is you sort of touched on there, Sam. Um, last time he played Chelsea, they went with three at the back and a couple of wing-backs who are really wingers. Um, interesting to see when we took them on this week, they went to a 4-3-3 a formation. So Reese James returned and Cucurella played left-back, whereas last time round, I think Ziyech was effectively playing right wing-back for them. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, yeah. So it, it's it's kind of a compliment i guess you can take it as a compliment by saying you know chelsea played us lost to us and have come back to play us again and have given us a bit of respect by changing their formation to try and counter what we do mm. um and well they weren't able to but look let's get into the game itself um dad give me your thoughts on the first sort of 15 20 minutes of the game how did you think fulham got themselves into this one Look, as I said uh, earlier, I thought we started really well. If you look at the overall stats for the game, I think what happened in the first 15 minutes was probably indicative of the whole game, where we, for the most part, we were happy for them to be in possession. And mm -hmm. we worked very, very hard off the ball. And I thought our, our pressing in midfield in particular was really good. It's always very amusing to watch Mitro in high press. He just doesn't have the legs and the pace for it. And he sort of sort of trots around. And Pereira's scurrying around and Mitro's kind of trotting around, not really doing his bit. But anyway, that's just Mitro. Um, but I thought I thought we were really good. Um, you know, we weren't overwhelmed at all with the situation. We were calm. And uh, we were very much... I thought we settled very quickly, actually, really quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, unlike Newcastle, who always seemed to unsettle us for some yeah. weird reason. But I thought we, we, you know, looked and felt like we came there to get a result and were not intimidated at all. Uh, so sure I, I thought we started really well. I'm not sure so, about so. you guys as well, but, like, off the ball, that was by far our best performance I think I've ever seen us do. Like in terms of, it like, almost like reminded me of like Morocco, like this most recent World Cup in terms of like all the stuff that we were essentially doing and all the kind of like preempting everything that Chelsea was going to throw at us, as well as I had 
absolute confidence. I think with almost every single Chelsea attempt in that first half, that we were going to be absolutely fine. There was no, there was, there really wasn't actually a moment for me that made like my bum hole get really, really tense um, when I was watching like Chelsea's attack. And I just felt that everything that Reem, Tete, Anthony Robinson, and it, and also Diop as well was doing was, and again, and Reed and Paulina, everything that those guys was doing was nothing short of exceptional off the ball for me. Mm. No, I agree. I think we we really started well. And it's been something that I think you could probably say has been a negative of Fulham over the last uh, maybe 10 years. And you would yeah. probably classify it as Fulhamish is the mm. fact that we, we seem to struggle sometimes at the start of games and we don't impose ourselves very well. And I always remember watching Brighton especially um, – and you watch how hard they work in those opening minutes and they really put pressure on. And they're really hassling us and we always struggle to get a foothold in the game and then all of a sudden the first half is gone. Mm. We're not that team anymore. We're actually the team yeah. that comes out yeah. and does that to the opposition. And so which is a really nice change well. to watch. Um, but, yeah, we, we, were, we were great. I think we started really well. We really nullified Chelsea. I, I have to say the offside trap that we played throughout the game um, worked really well. There was only the one time right at the very end of the first half where uh, I think it was Havertz hit the it post, was Havertz. lobbing, yeah. lobbing yeah. Leno. That was yeah. the only that, time. That was that was he, he, but he timed that beaut beautifully. I, I was certain that was offside. Mm. But he, he, offside he, clearly, live, but he was miles on. It clearly side. wasn't. It was really brilliantly timed. But again, perfect pass, um, a really good finish, yeah. and he, he probably should have scored that. Let's talk oh, about yeah. Fulham's best chance of the first half. Uh, Andreas Pereira's shot on goal, well saved by Kepa, although it was at a very comfortable height for him. Mm. Um, Sammy, do you think Fulham struggled to make the most of their dominance and probably should have put a few more shots on goal and, and maybe tested Kepa a little bit more? I think I think our dominance came from our composure and, again, all of our off-the-ball stuff and particularly like the amount of confidence that was coming from the backs, especially with um, uh, Reed and Ream and Tete. Like um, in terms of attacking, I, I think Chelsea was really, really strong. I don't necessarily rate um, uh, Kepa that much as a keeper. I do think he is, um, I, I do kind of think he's top six quality, but not necessarily starting top six. Um, I, I, think, I think we just never really had the proper time and space to actually get anywhere near close inside the box. And like, that was pretty evident how like Mitrovic was just completely taken out of the game, especially um, from the, like from the top. Like he, I felt, I felt actually quite sorry for him because I don't think he played badly, but I just think he just got, got completely shut out of the game because Thiago Silva is very good. Dad, Look, it's, I, it's an interesting one, so I'll just nip in because I'll ask you a question here. Mm. Um, with Mitrovic, he did have a quiet game. Do you think it's it's almost a compliment for for him, the fact that he was quite obviously completely marked out of the game by Silva and um, Badia Shile, but that did actually create the space, for example, for Pereira to get that shot off. Do you think... That we we can probably expect in the second half of the season for Mitro to have a quieter second half, uh, as in second half of the season and score less goals because teams are going to be coming out and targeting him especially. And therefore, do you also think that we might see some goals coming from elsewhere? Um, look, inevitably, this is the Premier League. You know, there are very smart managers and smart backroom teams who don't take very long to work us out. We're not that complex. There aren't that many dimensions to how we play. We play one way, one format in possession and another without. But it's pretty obvious what we do, right? We just do it very well. Um, I, going back to your first question to Sam, which I want to answer, um, if there's one criticism and I know we do talk about this offline a lot, is that for that 
amount of what's the right word for for how much that we were in that game terribly phrased sentence we should have actually got something out of it we we needed a goal and and it's actually a feature of what's happened against top teams you know newcastle uh, in particular we were in that game and we you know we're doing really well but we don't capitalize we don't get a goal and i don't know that every instance is Metro being marked out of the game, but we just aren't clinical enough. We, there's not the quality in the finishing, and we don't get a goal, and we go into half time. We've done really well, but we go into half time, and we're nil nil nil. Great, everyone's happy, and we've fought our heart out. Defence and midfield have worked brilliantly, but we ha- we haven't got anything on the board, and now mm. we're waiting for for the opposition to get a goal and for us to be on the back foot because we know it's going to happen or we think it's going to happen. Mm. So, look, um, I thought, well, another sidebar is I, I was getting very frustrated with the commentaries at Townsend, ex-Chelsea. <laughs> every it's not single, even worth talking about, honestly. Yeah, I'm, every not, I'm, single, not, I'm not giving him time. Like, it, 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 was, it was more about how well the keeper did there as opposed to how good a shot that was. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's just annoying. I I thought he did well. He couldn't have done much better. He didn't leave her. He he was onto that pretty quickly. Okay, maybe top left corner. Um, mm. but that was a that was a legitimate shot, and mm. um, that you know five times out of ten that could have gone in. Um, I yeah. thought Mitro Jack. I thought. Um. I thought we were serving. There were a lot of crosses going in, and I know Kenny Tete. Uh, I've always been a bit critical of Kenny Tete's loopy crosses coming in. I, I saw a big difference uh, last night. Um, flat, dangerous crosses coming in from Tete right from the get-go. So they Mitro was getting service, but he was crowded out, and mm. he, he couldn't get anywhere near it. And it, it sort of looked like... He was not trying very hard, but, you know, he couldn't get anywhere near it. Yeah, and, there are a couple of instances. Sorry, in answer to your question, should we be doing better? It has to be part of our plan, doesn't it? Because as season progresses and people work Mitro out and are, and are prepared to actually crowd him out and, and, and have two players and therefore leaving one free, we, we've got to be making more of that. Yeah, there was what I was going to say. There are a couple of instances where the ball was crossed into Mitro. There was one where uh, Mitro almost got his head to it, but you could just see he was just sort of body checked out of it by Thiago Silva. A couple other instances where he just uh, he couldn't get himself into a good position because he was just physically being blocked. Nothing yeah. illegally done, but just oh, well very done. good, well close man marking, not allowing him any space to get to where he wanted to be. So uh, I think, you know against uh, Chelsea and against, you know, players of the ability of Thiago Silva and uh, Badi Ashile, he's all, he is going to struggle. And, you know, he's coming up against Reese James at right back. We know he loves to peel off to that back post and have crosses coming in from Tete that he can put away. But you're not going to do that against someone like Reese James. Yeah. So against other lower teams, then, yes, you know, he'll probably actually actually be able to get himself into some space. But... I think against Chelsea, it was always just going to be a struggle. And unfortunately, he wasn't able to to make any of those chances count. But look, we went in at halftime. Um, second half felt more of the same, really. Again, it's one of those weird ones where, you know, we, we definitely felt like we need to score to make the most of the fact that we'd been playing really well. Um, but it just didn't seem to come. Um, you know, we, we started talking a little bit about subs. Dad, did you think the subs were made too late in the game we had solomon come on in the 75th minute um uh, and harry wilson come on as well uh and then we didn't have another sub until injury time when kenny and vinicius came on yeah i was i was you know we were chatting during the game i was calling for it 10 15 minutes before that um yeah and as i mentioned before i'm just i'm, I'm concerned about how well Solomon performs off the bench. I know it's a difficult game 
well, it's an enormously difficult game to come on and make an impact on it in any case for anyone. But I, I just don't know that that's the, our best usage of him. And then, as you quite rightly said, we, we, didn't, we didn't play him in. Uh, the ball inadvertently went down that channel a couple of times and he, he did quite well, didn't do badly at all. Mm. Uh, but we just didn't see enough of him. Um, but we look, you know, we we know there's, the time is going to come where he's going to have a major impact on a game uh, because he he's quality. He's absolutely mm. good quality. He's great quality. Mm. Um, and it was interesting with Harry Wilson coming on. Um, you you wouldn't have dragged you wouldn't have dragged William Willian um, on the basis that he had a bad game because I thought he had an exceptional game, and yeah, I yeah. I was impressed at how hard he worked. He worked his guts out. He really did mm. work his guts out off the ball, uh, getting his body into position to draw fouls, to break up play. You know, a lot of the time he stands off, finds space, gets the ball and makes a run. He was working very, very hard last night. Mm. Um, and he was, as you you mentioned um, offline, Jack, he was looking cooked. He was he was blowing oh, yeah. hard. Yeah. He was blowing yeah. really hard. Uh, and so it, it was not surprising. I thought he I mean, had a really good game. The The point that I thought it's probably makes sense to bring him off was when Harrison Reed released him down the left with a really good pass and Willian got in behind and you just saw he just didn't have enough in his legs to do anything with it, really. He put that ball across deep to Decadover Reed, where I think if that had happened in the first half, mm. it would have been a very different outcome there. Um, yeah, he just right. looked like he was, he, you know, that running where your head's thrown backwards and you're putting every little ounce of effort into to get up to top speed but just can't quite get there. Um, so it, it mm. made sense to me. I don't think I, I don't think it was anything to do with his ability and his performance. No, I just think not. Silver obviously looked at it and went, we need some fresh legs out there. And um solomon was the obvious choice and then wilson behind him sort of made sense as well because i think you had to replace both wingers to try and do something but one thing i will say about the substitutions and we saw it um i can't remember the game where we bought on diop for could have been for Pereira or something and we made a, a substitution a really obvious defensive substitution this time around it was really good to see us making obviously attacking decisions with our substitutions mm -hmm. and saying, right, we're still going for this. We're not bringing off Bobby Decadova Reed and bringing on Kazawa, which obviously happened right at the very end of injury time to waste a little bit of time and also just to make sure we close the game out. But we, we were actually making attacking decisions and trying to win the game, which is really positive to see because I think Silver, one of my gripes with Silver, and there are very, very few is that sometimes he doesn't use his substitutes quite the way I think he should Yeah. Um, in terms of when he makes them and tactically what he's trying to do with them. And I think he, he got it pretty close to spot on tonight, apart from I, I would have liked to have seen Solomon about 10 minutes earlier. I don't know about you guys as well, but like, and like, I, I'm, it's not as much of like a criticism because again, like I love him and I think he's brilliant, but I do think Silver... Um, I think he has so much trust in like the players that he chooses to go um, in the starting team that I think he just genuinely holds on to them for probably a little bit longer than he should. Also, as well, and I really I do really like this because I think it's very crucial to have this in um, a top um, Premier League side. He's a very animated manager, and I think he gets quite distracted and deeply focused on the game <laughs> to the point where like he probably kind of he doesn't see it maybe as obviously as we do or maybe he does but he's just getting a little bit too carried away copped a yellow card again it's not the first time i've seen him do that correct um no i'm not not sure he forgets to make subs but it's it's possible um so look I, i've pulled up the stats on the screen here they tell i'd say half of the story because i think it looks like Chelsea have completely dominated the game here, and I don't think that's exactly how it played out. Um, what we can look at here is the the clearances made by Fulham. I think Diop and Reem had superb games, oh. um, and probably a little bit to to Tete and Robinson made quite a few clearances towards the end there. 
Um, yellow cards, a little bit of an issue there. We saw four yellow cards of Fulham. Um, we'll talk very quickly on the Pereira tackle. I saw a lot of Chelsea fans, obviously, on Twitter saying it was just as bad as Jao Felix's. Um, someone tweeted that it was no different, and I uh, tweeted a nice reply with Jao Felix hitting Kenny Tete high above his knee <laughs> and wondering how Pereira's was no different to that. Um, Dad, very shortly, um, was there, should Pereira's have been a red or looked at a little bit more closely? Oh, n- n- not at all. Seriously. I, think, I mean, yeah. he comes in f- clearly from behind. I, I, I was kind of surprised that there was any contact at all. I thought he's, yeah. he, he missed the ball. It was a bad um, tackle. But I did, a late tackle. Yeah, bad and late, but I don't think he – But how, how much contact was there? And, he hit his um, – so he had his studs up very slightly, and I'd yeah. say he got, he got his ankle a bit. If that had been – I've seen him given red before. If that had been given red, though, uh, I would have been pretty ropeable about that because I think that would have been a very harsh red card. Mm. Yeah, I Sam? don't think it was a red card. Uh, I think Chelsea need to spend another hundred million and get over it. No, just pay the ref a hundred million next time, and you will get a red card for it. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing we should talk about, though the the closest that either team came to scoring a goal, um, ball gets played over the top for I think it was Madueke who'd come off. No, it wasn't. It was Fafana who'd come off the bench. Um, really nice ball over the top. Reem and Diop both chasing him back. For some reason, I think Leno was a little bit further outside his six-yard box oh, than usual. Yeah. Obviously, yeah, the ball yeah. was up around the halfway line. Leno was caught in two minds and for some reason came out for that ball. Um, again, a- as a former goalkeeper, that's never a keeper's ball there. You've got two defenders on one striker and they're both close to him. So it's not like he's streaking away one-on-one. And Leno gets comfortably rounded. Uh, Diop puts in a attempted tackle slash block of a shot. Fafana, really well done, actually gets around that, has an open goal to go for. Tim Ream, the hero himself, flying back, um, makes a really good block from an open goal. Chelsea 100% should have scored there. Um, We would have been ropeable if we'd missed an opportunity like that. Dad, um, was uh, I'm setting you up for a nice answer here. Was that pure luck or is Tim Ream amazing? Have you seen? If you watch the replay, and uh, and Tim Ream was interviewed afterwards as well, and if you watch the replay, his decision making is so quick. He yeah. reads the whole situation. He screams to Diop to make the tackle, but he immediately runs directly to the goal. Doesn't even try to get involved. Knows what's going to happen. He yeah. runs directly to goal, and he's there by the time. Why are you wagging your finger at me? Well, no, 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 because I'm I'm going to follow up and say it, and that is the mark yeah. of a really good central defensive partnership where they're mm. communicating oh, yeah. with each other really well. Yeah. Tim Ream says, you go to the ball, I'm going to the line. They know what each other are doing. They know where they're going to be on the pitch. Diop knows exactly yeah. what his role there is. Ream knows yeah. what he's going to do. He just slows it down enough. And also Leno actually gets himself back up and gets – not a he tries to make another attempt. He, 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 he dives the ball, which actually shallows the angle a little bit as well because he can't try and place it into the far corner because Leno's actually, yeah. if he tried that, Leno probably gets a hand on it. Um, really well done. And I, I think... Amazing defence. It, it's, it, and it's, it's something we saw in the Sunderland game as well with the defender getting back on the line. And you watch the replay, how he actually peels back he sees Pereira lining up and peels back to the goal line to to make the block, gets a little bit lucky with the deflection and, and the fact that it gets hit directly at him. Um, but it's it's a similar sort of instance where Tim Ream's done really, really well there and he's won Fulham a point hands down mm. because oh, I, yeah. I think we, we really were struggling to create good chances and that could have absolutely killed the game off for Chelsea there and I don't think we would have got back into it if that had been finished. I want to um, talk about Tim Ream as well. I want to talk about. Him. I want to talk. I just want to talk, just genuinely, um, about how far 
Ream and Robinson have come literally in the space of like two seasons. Now, I'm I'm not a huge um, advocate for like experience over like talent, but Tim Ream, man, he is he's his development of like just like he's just become this incredibly wise like player. His instincts are just I I just never associated that with Tim Ream before at all and now he's kind of just like become this like really top 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 tier level um uh, like premier league center back and like robinson is what robinson was playing like he could have played for like man city last night like genuinely i thought he was also phenomenal so quick so confident what those two have done of that left hand side for me is like nothing short of like phenomenal in terms of like how they have progressed when I think literally even a season ago, I would never have been speaking about them in this light. It's I'm so, I'm so chuffed about it. Like, cause I just feel really, really lucky. I don't, and I don't really fully know where it's come from. Like, I don't know why he's aging like a fine wine and so well, but it's just, it's just awesome. It's so good. I love them so much. It's I think you could you could take that view across the board, basically, with, with most of this Fulham team. You look at yeah. the guys we've picked up. Leno was thought of as completely done by Arsenal, and they thought Ramsdale was the best thing ever. And he's come and proved himself to be one of the best keepers in the league so far this season. Mm. You look at, you, like you said, Robinson was playing for Wigan, Tim Ream was at Blackburn, uh, you know, not not setting the world alight either, but but doing okay. Diop, West Ham fans thought Diop was useless and said, "Get rid of him. We're glad to be rid of him." And now you guys have him as a problem, and he's proved completely different. Kenny Tete cost us three million pounds from Leon, mm. and he's performing like the best right back in Europe at the moment. I mean, you push it and say he's one of the best right backs in the world based on his current form. Yeah, it'd be hard to argue that, really. We'll, we'll touch on it a little bit later. And Andreas Pereira was an outcast from Man United. Went to Brazil, was doing okay there. He's come to Fulham and he's he's shining. Um, Willian was sort of completely done. He's come to Fulham and he's outrageous. Mitro couldn't yeah. do it in the Premier League and he's scoring goals. Mm. We're a team of of people like that now, where we we Marco Silva is just able to improve the abilities of these players, or maybe not even improve their ability, but um, get every last little piece out of them to make sure that they perform to their fullest ability. And, mm. you know, as someone like Guardiola said, if if Tim Ream was 10 years younger, he'd be playing for Man City right now. Easy. Um, but, but 10 years ago, Tim Ream was 10 years younger and he wasn't playing for Man City. He was playing, I don't know exactly where, he might have been in the MLS 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, so it just proves what Marco Silva is able to do when he gets his hands on players. And it's probably why it'll be a bit of time before we see Solomon get a full start. It might be a bit of time until we see Lukic and, mm. and Suarez as well possibly get a start because um, I wouldn't I'm be surprised sure. if Silva wants to make his mark on those guys first. I'm not sure if you heard in the commentary as well. That, um, I, it was probably like the best call of the night that Townsend actually did. He was saying that uh, last time uh, Silva was in the Premier League, uh, he got Everton to eight, which seems a lot more impressive now. Yeah, well, it's and true. Right. Yeah. It's very true. Um, you look at, yeah, look at how bad Everton are at the moment. And mm. Marco Silva is underappreciated as, as a manager. And I think, you know, we're not always going not by, Not us. by us, absolutely. But um, across the board, people people don't see the good work that he's doing, and you know, Fulham still aren't getting the plaudits that they deserve. And I think it'll be another six or seven games until we do. But it, it, you know, we've got a nice little run coming up soon. Mm -hmm. um, I, I tweeted out after the game. There's the next three games we've got are very very winnable. I think Brighton's the toughest. We've got to play Nottingham Forest and Wolves. Nottingham Forest, Wolves, and then Brighton. There's potentially nine points there. And mm. let's have a quick look at the table as, as it stands at the moment. We could see Fulham, you know, having played 25 games and have 40 points on the board quite comfortably. And at that point, uh, you know, the, the mainstream media and everyone else is going to have to stand up and look at it and go, you know, Fulham most seasons would be hoping to make 40 points in the 38th game of the season. Mm. Fulham could potentially have 40 points on the board 
with 13 games left to play. And at that point, you're really looking at it and going, you know, this Fulham team could hit 60 points this year, which is the most Fulham have ever ever made in the Premier League. Mm. So it, it's, it's changing, it's ever-changing. And, you know, results like this go a long way in giving us a bit of street cred because at the moment, little old Fulham don't have much of a street cred. And people look at Brentford, and I don't know why people look at Brentford and Brighton and sing their praises when we sit above them in the league and we're playing just as exciting football as them and getting just as good results. Um, There's a stat popped up that Fulham have won more games than any other team in the Premier League since the end of the World Cup. Um, really? And we have been on a really good run since then. Um, so, you know, it, it's all really positive, and I think we're really looking forward to this next, next run of three three games after that we do have a couple of tough games i think we've got to play arsenal and liverpool which will be a good test so hopefully we get some good good results before then and have a few points on the board because it is now uh in the last three games we have only picked up one point which isn't ideal but when you look at the table the points we've dropped are against third fifth and ninth so you can't be too disheartened by it but um i'm looking forward to the next few games i don't know about you guys yeah totally so, look, guys, we're going to move on to uh, another segment after a very short, short break um, where we're going to go through Elton's top tweets from last night's game. And then, as always, we're going to have Sam run us through his uh, mind, I guess. <laughs> Great. We'll, we'll be back. And we are back. Dad, your top tweet. So run us through, I guess, the concept here and um, what we're doing with this new little segment. Yeah, we're just going um, to sort of try and give a flavour of what, what's happening and what was happening on Twitter during the game and a little bit after the game um, to, I guess, shout out some of our favourite tweeters um, and recognise uh, the, the really good content that they either put out or they share, which we all appreciate. And <clears throat> just to pick up on some very humorous uh, content that uh, flies around Twitter, not, not just the factual, but uh, a, a little bit of um, uh, entertainment with a little bit of a, sometimes a little bit of a, a sting in it to uh, our, our favourite Southwest uh, Six uh, friends. So, uh, yeah, roll, roll, roll the tape. So the first one here is from Fulham Focus, which obviously is a, uh, a regular contributor um, on the airwaves. Man of the match, you say, 100%. I won't re read all this out, but, you know, this is obviously uh, um, in, in praise of Kenny Tete, who clearly had an out-of-skin performance last night. And, I mean, this guy is just unbelievable we 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 talk a lot about um how well these so-called championship players have done this guy is just carrying the weight of uh, on his shoulders and um i i, I kind of get nervous that he's going to cop an injury and i guess uh, cedric is is proof that there's, there's concern across the board about that. But if you look at some of his key stats there, aerial duels, 100% won. Um, you know, 69 touches. Um, I'm surprised he only had three interceptions. It felt a lot more than that. And that's just his defensive summary. But he was huge uh, in attack early in the game. He really set the tempo. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, his crosses in were matching that of uh, both Pereira and Robinson. He was just so outstanding. And, you know, he ran 100 million or whatever we, they paid for Mudrick. He, he ran him off the park. He absolutely mm -hmm. ran Mudrick off the park. And I don't think that many pundits would have predicted that. So uh, thanks, uh, Fulham Focus, for that. Next next slide, Jack, please. Well, I'll just add one point to that as well, and I should have brought mm. it up before. Um 
Cottage Analytica put out a tweet as well, similar to this with, with some stats, I guess. Um, I'll just read it out word for word. Tonight, Kenny Tete was matched up against Mudrik, Medweke and Sterling at various points. Between them, they didn't manage a shot until injury time, achieved zero crosses, zero successful dribbles, and they collectively lost 10 out of 12 ground and aerial duels to Tete. Hmm. So Ma- he shut down... You know that that's getting close to two hundred million pounds worth of players there, and I know Sammy. Before the game, you were a little bit worried about Mudrik, but Tete completely shut him out of the game. No, completely. and he was hands down man of the match for me because down that down Chelsea's left, they they produced nothing for the whole game, and it's purely because of Kenny Tete. He was everywhere, and he he was just he was superb throughout. Um, and I, I reckon the only shot, which was the shot until injury time, was that one in the in the very last, basically the last shot of the game where Sterling had the ball on the edge of the box and tried to put a big looping curler into the far corner. I'd say that would be the only shot that would be against Kenny Tete. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's ju- just a superb performance, and I'm glad Fulham Focus picked that up and, that Cottage Analytica actually looked into that a little bit deeper and just showed how dominant Tete was against top class opponents there. Mm. Just, just, uh, just uh, thanks for throwing that in, Jack. A, a huge shout out to Cottage Analytica, who I think provide like really unique, um, they, they, they provide a wonderful lens and make stats probably very interesting for a lot of people who may, maybe many people glaze over at. You know all of the stats that are out there, but they produce some really, really great stats uh, and the kind of detail that not many people would focus on and make it fascinating for particularly for Fulham fans uh, in just highlighting how well some of our players are doing. So, you know, um, ma- massive thank you for the content that you're providing. It's wonderful. They also put out a great meme of someone running into a wall and um, captioned it, Mudrik versus Tete. Yeah. <laughs> right, I'll pop Excellent. to the next slide. This one's from our friend White Noise. Yeah, and again, thanks to White Noise, probably the most prolific um, provider of content and, and, and sharer of content through his retweeting. Uh, and it's, it, it, you know, he's, he's, he's obviously got a... a a good football head on his shoulders and he follows it really, really closely. He's been following it for a long time. And um, this one, he says, I I haven't enjoyed playing football, sorry, enjoyed football so much in a long, long time, as well as the joy of watching us play. There's a deep-seated satisfaction that we, we are at last a quality side to be proud of. The players we, we have and the potential for the future. Uh, you know what, Fulham, you're all right. And uh, I think he echoes the sentiments of all Fulham fans. I mean, we've been saying that all season. But mm. just a nice a nice kind of tweet uh, to, I guess, represent how so many people are feeling. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> I enjoyed this one from uh, Fulham Bone. Um, so Mark Worrell um, tweets... Only a week ago, until uh, Mudrick sends the Fulham... You like the way I avoided pronouncing his first name there? Only a week to go <laughs> until Mudrick sends the Fulham defence of 14 pieces of original recipe chicken, eight hot wings, eight mini fillets, regular popcorn chicken, six regular fries, two large sides, and a 1.5-litre bottle of Fanta. And that's in, uh, you know, that print of what he's going to do to us. And Fulham Bone replies on Twitter and he says... All he sent was a kit man out to get a box of tissues so he could pretend to have a cold after dropping a zero out of ten performance. (laughs) Kind of harsh, but sort of what you'd expect from a passionate Fulham fan on the night. And again, this is this is all praise to Kenny Tete and 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 BDR down uh, for the job they did together on that side of the field. And look, apparently he was ill, but. You'd think, you'd think you'd persist. I guess Graham Potter would argue. I've got plenty in, on the bench, and so why wouldn't I bring on fresh legs? But um, 
if he was tired and suffering from illness, that would be one thing. But while he was still fit enough to play a half, he wasn't effective. And that's the truth of it. So I enjoyed right. that. I, I didn't realise that he was potentially sick, but um, he, he didn't look... Uh, he didn't look good. He didn't get in the game. I mean, mm. Solomon looked like he did more in his 15 minutes than Mudrick did for the whole game. Um, so it's, it's not surprising. I, I gen And, you know, it's one of the commentators said at halftime as well, you know, we've heard Mudrick's gone off and they genuinely weren't sure if he'd been injured or if he was being dragged because he'd played poorly. And I mm. think, you mm. know, if you, if you have a poor game, it's quite obvious most of the time and you get dragged at halftime. Most of the time, if you get dragged at half time, though, you you know, it's for a reason. They couldn't work out if he, he was just playing terribly or if there was something wrong. And I think that speaks volumes of how poorly he played and how well Kenny Tete kept him out of the game. Completely true. Uh, yeah, another one here from uh, Jack Collins, obviously a very well-known pundit and uh, Fulhamish man, which we all uh, love and respect. And this one is, is is a great comment, and it says, uh, Chelsea spent £200 million since losing to Fulham to try and rest back SW6. And to be fair, they gave it a good go. But I make that four points from six, and they're truly only being one Fulham, sorry, one team in Fulham. Um, and that, that got 159 uh, likes and loves, and uh, obviously retweeted um, eight times as well. So yeah, um, I think it's it's interesting um, to just to note how much money they have spent since we last uh, met them, and how mm. little impact that actually did have. And there we go. So I think we'll we'll definitely continue doing that in the future as well. So. Make sure you tag us in any comments you make on Twitter so that we see them. We'll obviously do a bit of scouting around as well during and after games and during the week and try and pick up a few bits of uh, interesting information that we see online. Uh, it's always good to shout out, especially our supporters as well. Uh, like you said, White Noise, even Fulhamish have shouted us out on their podcast as well uh, a couple of times now. So, um, yeah, we really appreciate the support. We, we really appreciate the amount of information and knowledge that gets shared online um, about Fulham because it's it's how we we understand how good people like Kenny Tete are. We see them on the pitch and we go, that guy's great, but we sometimes find it hard to explain why. And when you see it put into numbers like that, you just it, it's mind-boggling and it's so good to see. And I, I thank people like Cottage Analytica who put all that time and effort into actually getting really detailed stats that really engage the fan base. It's really, it's, it's invaluable. And I, I'm glad we have an opportunity to actually shout those guys out. And now on to something a little bit more silly. Well, so. it's actually, okay, it's actually not, it's, uh, this one isn't necessarily as silly. It still can kind of be a little bit silly, but Sam's a little bit delirious right now and he kind of needs the bathroom. So I've gone, for, I've still gone for a little bit more of a serious kind of like, twinge on this so what we're what we're what we're what's what this one is going to be okay so come in come in come into sam's brain as oh, i like no, to say before thing. we do all of this just come into sam's brain okay so hear me out here hear me out here and to be honest i've probably got the wording wrong on this so you're just gonna have to go with me all right so if you could loan out if you could loan okay so assuming right if you could learn out either Great start, Sammy. one of the four, oh, I can't read this properly. I don't have my glasses. Okay. Okay. So basically, so, so here's, here's the concept. I'm not going to look at this. I'm not going to look at this. So if you could loan out one of um, our players to Arsenal, who's assumingly going to win the league, assuming it's for a major injury, they're going to play a crucial part. And just for argument's sake, they're definitely going to win the Premier League. And for like the next uh, three months on a short-term loan, one of these players is either going to get the confidence boost of playing in a team that won the Premier League or they're either going to... So it's either... You can kind of see it in two ways. It's either like they deserve that or 
they need the confidence boost. Okay, so that's that's the pitch. Did any of that really make sense or not really? No, but let's continue. Cool. All right. So, okay. So we're learning out one of the players. Who, who would you rather? So would you rather see a deserving Tim Ream win the Premier League with a different club? Or would you rather see Harry Wilson win the Premier League with a different club and maybe get the confidence boost? So it's deserving or confidence boost? Harry how, Wilson? Or how Tim much Ream? does losing the player and learning them out affect Fulham's performances. In this case, it doesn't. I don't know how I can confirm that, but in this case, it doesn't. So you're you're really just thinking with the player in mind here. So I'm thinking. Um, uh, again, you invited me into your world, yeah, but I'm thinking ahead. with my logical brain, and it's probably not going to work out very well. No, it's so work. we work. we 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 lend we we loan Harry Wilson out, but actually he doesn't start. He doesn't no, get a game. He, does, so he doesn't. He does start. He does start. Oh, in so this, he in does this world, what Sam's saying is he, he he gains a bunch of confidence when he goes away, the confidence he needs, and then he comes back to Fulham afterwards. Yeah. Or well, do you just so, give yeah, Jim but a I can't, league to make him feel good? Yeah, but he's you know Harry Wilson in my brain. He goes to Arsenal, but he doesn't he doesn't get on the pitch. And okay. So, the, so okay. So in this in this scenario, missing the point. In this scenario, yeah. Saka has died. Yeah. Okay. Martinelli has also died as well. He has they're, no they're, opportunity. He's no Arteta has also out. died. Arteta might stop him. Yeah. Everything's <laughs> gone out the window. So it's either and in this scenario as well. I'll give it to Gabriel. Tim Ream because Tim Ream only has a, a few years left in his career to win trophies, and I think he deserves one. Yeah. Okay. Well, you give it. Well, you give it to Leno uh, and no, for the full no, redemption story. <laughs> no, you're no, not picking up on the game here. It's not picking up on you the know, game. I know. You, you need to work a lot harder on this, Sammy. Wilson needs the confidence. Wilson needs the confidence. We okay, need. We we Wilson. want. We want Wilson. We want Wilson to get the. Confidence. I want to see. I want to see if Wilson. Like I want to see Wilson win the Premier League and then come back a changed man. Okay, in the same in the same breath, um, Luke Harris or Andreas Pereira. Which one of them do you want to see? get that moment Luke Harris experience alongside good players um, uh, and he would benefit from it in the long run for sure I feel for me Andreas Pereira deserves it I don't don't think Andreas Pereira actually needs the confidence boost right now yeah it's not necessarily always about confidence boost though it's like you just feel that they probably deserve it this is my. Game. I don't know if he does deserve it yet. Oh, okay. Well, I, I think he's great, but I don't think he. Someone like Tim Ream, who is at the end of his career and worked his ass off and has improved at such a late rate, and when you hear someone like Guardiola say, "If you were ten years younger, I'd pick you," mm. and you'd be playing at Man City, it, it just shows that he does deserve it. Pereira still has a lot to prove, and I think yeah. he'd more so more than deserve it. This would work for him going out for experience as well. Yeah, I can see that. But he's not down on confidence, so it would just be, uh, "Hey, here, go and have a party and win the accolade." I think mm-hmm. he's loving his Pereira is loving his time at Fulham. He's got huge opportunities. He's very much a part of it all, and so you know, I think he, he doesn't need to go anywhere, and he's young enough still to. Uh, to keep growing with us. So you're taking Luke Harris? Luke Harris is going? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, Bobby Decker, Dover Reed, or Anthony Robinson? Who? Which one? BDR. Uh, I'd like to see him win a trophy. I think that'd be great. Yeah, yeah, I'm quite torn on this it. one, but I, th- I think, yeah, I think, I think BDR. I think BDR. I would like to see. I would like to see Anthony Robinson. In that position one day, I I reckon I reckon he probably will move to it. He top probably six. will be. He'll he'll be in a top ten one day. I think BDR is such a workhorse yeah. and such a player. He just he gets mucked around, and I feel really sorry for him sometimes. And the fact that he does have to fill all the gaps, mm-hmm. and so when a player does that and doesn't whinge about it and just keeps on going and keeps performing really well, he deserves it. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tom Kearney or Alexander Mitrovic? 
that's that's probably the toughest one so far. I'd yeah, say no. uh, Metro purely because everyone says he can't do it. And I think yeah. it would be great for him to have a Premier League under his belt to be able to say, well, you know what, I can do it. I think of all the of all the people that we've talked about as well, he probably would probably gain the most confidence wise out of that because that would probably eliminate a lot of doubt from his psyche and he's got he's got plenty of it yeah i think but mitro does get he does get the the world cup and the international stage leading serbia um so he uh, whilst he is a confidence player he's not short on confidence and i don't i think he's had a lot of accolades in his career Whereas, um, yeah, I don't know what I'm trying to say. And no, yeah, fair enough. I yeah, I think I'm going to go Mitrovic as well. I'd like I'd like to see him lift something big like that. And finally, Kenny Tete or Manuel Solomon. I do understand Kenny that. This, yeah, yeah, it's got to be Kenny. Tete. Too hard. Yeah. Can't ask that question after a game like that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Well, I I did this before. I did this before we did the game. Yeah. What about you, Dad? Kenny Tete as well? Oh, uh, there's an enormous amount of love for Kenny Tete. He looks like a lovely guy Mm. and he's a workhorse and he's just outdoing himself, outdoing, you know, people's wildest expectations of him. Mm. He should already be in a team like Arsenal. Yeah. I think really? so. I think he's he really, really proved that maybe in like the past four games for me at least because I've, I've always been a little bit not like completely doubting it, but I've always felt a little bit like the jury's out. I haven't seen like enough because he keeps getting injured and such, but like now it's yeah, now he's legit. And that was the game. That was the game. We got there. We got there. Yeah, I was going to say we got there. Where it started was not good, but we got there. Yeah. That's okay. Sometimes you have a bad start to your season, but then you just follow through, you know? <laughs> Yeah, fortunately, we're not doing that this year. I'm glad we're completely opposite to you at the moment, Sammy, from from the mind of Sam. Um, so, guys, look, we can wrap it up there. Um, four points from Chelsea across the season. Uh, if we'd been offered that and a relegation at the start of the year, I think we probably would have taken that as well. Um, so, you know, what what a way to to. F- sort of finish out our games against Chelsea. I don't we obviously won't play them again this season because they're out of the cup. Um so it's been been really good to get two really good results out of those, but also two really good performances as well, which I think is more important than mm. the four points. The fact that we didn't let the occasion get to us on on either time we played them and and actually showed that we we're, we're good enough to play with the big boys this year and I think teams are going to start to take notice of us especially if we stay up towards the top end of the table, which I hope we will. So, look, we'll uh, try and touch base again. Well, no, not try. We definitely will touch base again um, <laughs> before the next game, which I believe is the Sunderland FA Cup replay, which I think is on Wednesday. Um, realistically, don't think I'm going to be getting up for that one. Um, <laughs> I think it's a 4 a.m. You'll probably be up anyway, He'll be up. I might be up anyway, so I probably will be getting up for it. What am I talking about? Um, but we'll, we'll definitely touch base after that. We'll probably wrap that together with a Nottingham Forest preview, which is our next game in the league. Um, so we will definitely be back online live again next week. Thanks to everyone again for engaging with us. Like I said previously, we're on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, um, we, we're absolutely everywhere you can possibly consume content. Um, the podcast obviously is still coming out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and everywhere you get your podcasts. So make sure you subscribe so that you get notified when we bring out new content. Um, we'd really love to grow our Twitter following as well. So if you're a Twitter user, please share our profile, share our posts, make sure people follow us and get around this That's So Craven community because we want to keep growing it and keep growing this podcast as well. So until next time, Dad, thank you for your time. Yeah, thanks very much. I'm I'm just wondering where uh, I'm going to be able to find another two-hour nap this afternoon to <laughs> uh, make it through to this evening. But other than that, uh, great, proud day. And can I just say also, just as a bit of a, uh, I don't know what we call it, but Sam did a hilarious TikTok 
uh, as a summary, player ratings, uh, TikTok after the Chelsea game. He got very enthusiastic. It turned out pretty X-rated, but it's very, very funny. And I, I don't know how we can actually share that with anyone who might be interested in hearing it. We're probably not going to drop it on Twitter because it'll probably offend a few of our family friends. But it's extremely funny, and some of you might enjoy it. How do we share that with them, Jack, if someone really wanted it? Um, well, jump on TikTok, search that so Craven. Um and you'll be able to yeah. watch the video. If you don't know how, feel free to send us a message on any of our socials. We'll reply and send you the link. Uh, it is worth a watch, despite the foul language. But I did have you to were excited, to Sam, so it's okay. Yeah, I did it's funny. Go, it's funny. I did have to go to a HR meeting following that, but it was worth it. <laughs> words, words have been exchanged, so uh, it won't happen again, will it, Sam? No, no, it will Good not. Boy. My cape. Righto, well, thank you again, Dad. And Sammy, thank you for joining us today and uh, keeping up our mental TikTok stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the, if, I, if I'm tired and lacking exuberance now, it's mainly just because that that's, that's been taking up a lot of my time and creative energy. But no, very, very happy to be here and just genuinely just really proud of the boys can't really say too much more than that just exceptionally proud of them i thought i thought they yeah they just fill me with pride right now and i'm very happy and blessed to be a fulham fan we're we're on we're on the ride of a lifetime and i don't want to get off so yeah thanks for having me well said so look until next time come on you whites